Today's scripture will come from 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us first, providing all that we need, and may our hearts be open today as we listen to your text and take to heart these truths. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Well, I am super excited to be here together with you this morning. My name is Todd, as Rick might have mentioned earlier, but you might have come in after that or you were doing something else when he was talking about that. Um, and so, yeah, my name's Todd, and my wife Dawn is here with me this morning, and my mother-in-law uh, Shirley is here, and Asher is in the nursery. We may hear him shortly. Uh, he's, he's really vocal when he gets to church and every other time uh, of, of our lives, uh, but he's a huge blessing, 17 months old, and our daughter Bailey is uh, eight, almost nine, just started third grade, making me feel even more old than the gray hairs on my face and hair uh, tell about, but um, I am really excited to be here together with you guys this morning, and I uh, appreciate Pastor Rick and just our friendship, and uh, just know that God is using him in some really incredible and awesome ways, and excited to hear about the work that's been done in Haiti this week. Man, that's just awesome that, that God has used you guys, not just here in Anger, but hundreds, thousands of miles away down in, in Haiti. That's just really, really awesome, um, and I'm sure you guys look forward to hearing about that trip as well. So I don't know if you guys have noticed, uh, but there's something going on uh, in our country right now, um, called an election. Anybody, anybody heard about this election thing? Uh, nobody's heard of it. Okay, awesome. So I can just tell you what's going on with this election. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're electing a new president of the United States this year, which uh, terrifies some of us, uh, if not most of us or all of us, um, to think about what, what could the next four years look like um, but, but even as we approach this election that's happening in just a couple of months, uh, it is kind of winding down. It feels like we've been in an election cycle for years now, and we kind of have in, in a lot of ways. We've heard all about the candidates and seen everything happening along the way with, um, uh, you know, who's winning the election or who's winning the nomination and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm not going to get political this morning. I, I think I, Rick might be like a bead of sweat, kind of like, don't, <laughs> don't talk about that. We, we're not going to talk about that here. But, but I'm not going to get political on you. But, but one of the things that 
I think about when, when you're approaching an election, especially one with the kind of gravity that this election has, with anytime you're electing uh, potentially a new president of the United States, this is a big deal, right? I mean, this is not something that we just, uh, I don't know, eeny, meeny, money. okay, that one. Uh, which, I don't know, maybe that would be a good strategy for this election, I don't know. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, you know, w when we approach an election like this and it has such gravity to it, w we gotta take stock of, of ourselves and, and of our nation and of our future and our kids too. We got to think about our kids and what kind of nation we're, we're going to be handing to them one day. And uh, so there's so many things to think about. And, and one of the things that, that I think about as I try to decide, well, who am I going to vote for um, is why do they even deserve my vote, right? Like, I don't know if you value your vote that much, but, but I think we should, right? I think it's a very powerful thing, and, and we should value that. And, and, uh, and so thinking about, like, these candidates and, and thinking about um, why do they deserve to have me vote for them? And so they try to tell us that, right? Like, like they have all these commercials that uh, come on TV, and, and, but more often than not, they're trying to really tell us why we shouldn't vote for the other person, right? Like, I think four out of five at least ads that I've seen um, are really telling me why I shouldn't vote for that other person, but not giving me really any reasons why I should vote for them, right? I mean, that's a problem. That's kind of frustrating because, like, I want to know, I don't want to know why I shouldn't vote for that person. I want to know why I should vote for this person. I want to know, why should I trust you with my vote? Like, why should I trust you with my future and with my kids' future? And we live in this world where everything's crazy and kind of messed up, and, and not kind of messed up, it's really messed up. If you watch the news, I mean, this world is, is as messed up as it's ever been, it seems like, right? I mean, I don't know, though. We look through Scripture, and we see that things have been pretty messed up before, right? Like we, we kind of tend to think that this is the worst it's ever been when I'm not really sure that it really is the worst it's ever been, but it's probably the worst we've ever seen it, right? For a couple of generations at least. But as we approach the election, we, we want to know who can I trust? And, and as we um, kind of think about this society that we live in or this nation or even this world that we live in, we recognize that, that this world is broken. This world is messed up. There's a lot of stuff going on that breaks God's heart. And as we look at all that, and, and as we look at leadership in our nation, and we start to ask the question, well, who can I trust? Who can I really trust? And, and then, like, we can make this question even more personal, like, just in our daily lives and, and asking the question, who do I have in my life that I know I can trust? I got a friend of mine that kind of puts it this way, like, who are your 2 a.m. friends? The people that you could call at 2 a.m. in the morning and know that they'll be there for you. Know that they'll pick up the phone or they'll answer the text or whatever Facebook messenger or however we're communicating with, with each other. But who are your 2 a.m. friends, the people that you know would be there for you no matter what? Maybe even come to your house and be there with you. And I think for a lot of us, we struggle to answer that question. We don't have a lot of those 2 a.m. friends in our lives, unfortunately. And maybe when all the stuff starts to hit the fan and, and things start to get really tough in our lives, that's when we start to find out who our real friends really are. And sometimes they're different friends than we thought they were. Sometimes the friends that we thought we were, were the best friends kind of end up walking away. And other times we, we see some other friends that God rises up that we didn't expect to have rise up in our lives. 
but we need people in our lives that we can trust. And, and unfortunately, we're kind of conditioned in our society too to, to not really trust anybody, right? Um, a lot of people have trust issues. You heard that phrase before, right? We have trust issues. Like maybe you've been burned before. You trusted somebody and they let you down. That's going to happen. And maybe that's happened in some big ways in some of your lives and, and you have a really hard time trusting anybody. I don't know if you've got kids, we have a hard time trusting people with our kids, right? Um, and, you know, because our kids are our most precious um, part of ourselves, part of our family. And, and it's kind of weird for us this weekend, for my, my son, he, he spent the night with one friend and our daughter spent the night with another friend. And so they're like, our, our whole family was scattered last night, which just felt weird. Um, but it's hard for us sometimes to trust people, especially like with our kids and stuff. But um, it, it brings us to this question that I think we wrestle with sometimes is, how can I know who to trust? Where do I look? What do I look for? And I think this passage that we're looking at this morning helps answer that question of, of who we can trust or why should we trust certain people instead of other people in our lives. And so we've been walking through this message series. You guys have been walking through this message series called The Charge, where you've been looking together um, through this letter of the Bible that a veteran pastor, a church planner, and a missionary, the first missionary, Paul, wrote to this young new pastor who's green uh, behind the ears, like he's just getting started, uh, just trying to figure stuff out. And Paul kind of takes him up under his wing um, and has just some incredible words of wisdom here, not just for Timothy, but for us as well. All of us who want to follow Jesus and accomplish God's amazing purpose for our lives. And, and one of the key things that Paul wanted Timothy to know is how to be successful at following Jesus. I mean, that was really the key thing that, that Paul wanted for Timothy, was for him to be a successful follower of Jesus, and not just be successful at following Jesus himself, but be successful at leading other people to follow Jesus, because really, those two things are one in the same. We can't really be a successful follower of Jesus if we're not leading other people to be successful followers of Jesus, because that's what a successful follower of Jesus does, leads other people to become successful followers of Jesus. And so Paul, through this whole letter, is kind of walking Timothy through some key things. And I think this is one of, if not the last letter that Paul wrote, period. But it's the last letter that we know of that Paul wrote to Timothy. That's why we call it Second Timothy. Um, and, and so he has these incredible words of wisdom. And as you approach the end of this book or, or this letter that, that Paul's written here, you get a very real sense that Paul knows, like, this is coming down to the wire now. He knows, like, li my life is, is coming to an end, and I want to make sure that I pass along some very important truths and, and wisdom, uh, particularly to this uh, young pastor, Timothy, that, that he's had a, a special relationship with. And one of the things, again, that Paul tells to Timothy that I think is a message for every single one of us here this morning is that God has a very special purpose for your life. You are not an accident, and you're not here by accident. Every single one of us in this place this morning, you are here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. God created you on purpose and for a purpose. Do you believe that this morning? I hope that you do. I hope that if, there, if there's nothing else that I say this morning that sticks in your mind or in your heart, that it's at least this, that you know for a fact 
that God has created you for a purpose and with a purpose. Your life is not a random sequence of events. You are here because God brought you to this moment. And the things that have happened in your life, God has allowed to happen. In some cases, God has orchestrated to happen to make you the person that you are and to bring you to this moment. Hopefully to understand and to know that God does have a very special and powerful and unique, beautiful purpose for your life. But again, in these uh, in this world, we come to these moments where even as we wrestle with what is my purpose? Anybody wrestled with that question before? Anybody at all? Maybe I'm the, okay, we got a couple of us. The rest of you are just not sure yet if you're still allowed to raise hands in church, but um, I assure you that you are. Um, but um, I mean, we wrestle with this question of like, what is my purpose? And, and how do I know what my purpose is? Um, and, and as we explore that, we still have to come back to this question that I think the passage this morning brings us to this question of who can I trust in this broken and messed up world? And as I try to step forward into the purpose and plan that God has for my life, who can I trust? Um, I can tell you that as a pastor, I've seen uh, people in the church act about as nasty as anybody outside the church. I don't know if you've seen that before, if you've experienced that. Hopefully you've not experienced that at Anthem Church. That's, that's my prayer. I, I hope that you haven't seen that kind of stuff happening. But um, if you've ever been to a church that has business meetings, I don't know if you guys have business meetings, but, but that's, uh, amen, amen that you don't have business meetings, all right? But I've been in churches where they have business meetings, and I tell you what, that's where the nastiness and the claws come out, and, and people start acting like um, some of the most far from God people that you've ever seen or ever met. And so here you got Timothy dealing with this in his first church, probably just had his, one of his first business meetings, and he's got people who are, who are lost, maybe even think that they're not lost, who are like at each other's throats, and they're dealing with all kinds of issues and stuff. And, and it's, it's a really tough situation to be in as a pastor because you really do. You feel like, man, these are the people that are supposed to get it. These are the people that are supposed to be on uh, fire and in a relationship with Christ. And, and I want to tell you something this morning. I think that unfortunately, even if you don't have business meetings, sometimes um, the, the spiritual casualties come from friendly fire. The spiritual casualties sometimes come from friendly fire. And we've got to be careful about where we're aiming our guns and make sure that we're all aiming in the same direction at the enemy and, and recognize that that the enemy isn't the person sitting next to us that, that also is trying to follow Jesus, but the enemy is, is uh, the one that is after our hearts and our minds and our souls and trying to destroy everything that God wants for us. And so you can imagine as Timothy's jumping into this first ministry position, he's got to be wondering, who can I trust? So in these first few verses of chapter 3 uh, that you looked at last week, Paul calls it like he sees it, and he points out, man, look how broken and messed up this world is. And, and th those verses kind of resonate with us. The first few verses of chapter 3, if you want to go back and kind of skim over that, but he's like, man, look at how messed up the world is. And so that's kind of where we pick up in verse 10 in the text that we're looking at together this morning. If you've got your Bible with you, I encourage you to open it up to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Um, or if you've got the Bible app, one thing I want to encourage you to do, if you don't have the Bible app, download it, use it. It's, it's an incredible tool, uh, resource for you to, to um, just dig into God's Word. But um, 
in the Bible app, I, I want to encourage you to, to use the New Living Translation, if you could, for just a minute. Um, I know we've got the ESV, which is a great version, but, um, but the New Living Translation, I think, has some, some unique perspective on the verses that we're looking at. So in verses 10 through 12, I just want to read this together with you real quick, and, and whichever version you're reading along in, I'm sure you can follow along. But in verse 10, he says, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach. You know how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So I think the first thing that that Paul's trying to say to Timothy um, about answering this question of who can you trust is, is Paul kind of says to Timothy, look, man, you can trust me. You can trust me. And here's why you can trust me, because you've seen what I, th- that what I teach is consistent with how I live. And isn't that how we spot people who are fakes and phonies, people who are what we call hypocrites, right? Because they say one thing and they do something else. And here Paul's saying, look, bro, you know me. You know the way I live, and you've heard what I teach, and you see that those two things are consistent with each other. And so he says to him, Timothy, you can trust me. You can trust my life. You can trust my teaching. And how did Timothy know this? How did Timothy know that that Paul's life matched his teaching? He had to spend some significant time around him, right? Had to spend some significant time around him. just watching what he, what he did and listening to his teaching and making sure that those two things do match. But Paul also said that uh, not only do you know my teaching, you know my life, I think this is a key part where he says, you know my purpose in life. You know that I'm fulfilling the purpose that God gave for me, which is my prayer for you, that you will fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. Again, going back to that powerful truth that God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us to bring honor and glory to his name in a relationship with Jesus. And so he says, look, you've seen the, my, the purpose in my life, that I'm living it out, that I'm accomplishing that purpose. And he said, you've seen that purpose, you've seen my faith, and you've seen my uh, patience, love. And then he uses the word endurance, which is this is where we start to kind of get a little antsy. It's like, well, wait a second, I was with you right up until the word endurance uh, or this, this concept of perseverance, because that doesn't sound as fun. Like, the other part, yeah, I'm on board with that. I'm, I'm on board with the, uh, the purpose and, and life and faith and love. Man, we love love, right? Like, we just love to be loved and love to love each other. Uh, but now Paul, like, drops this and perseverance. Like, whoa, wait a second, dude. Like, I didn't sign up for all that. Like, I don't even know if that's where I want to go with all this. But, but he says, look, that's part of the deal. That's part of uh, the package when you begin to follow Jesus. Um, and so we have to understand that, that following Jesus means that, that it's, sometimes it's going to be tough. Sometimes it's going to be difficult. And Paul kind of dives into this here for us in just a second. Um, well, I want to look at a passage of Scripture where Paul dives into this for us. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he, he starts kind of talking about what does it look like to, uh, to kind of suffer some persecution and suffer some 
setbacks and some difficulties in, in following after Jesus and accomplishing his plan and purpose for our life because we'd like to sit here this morning and think that um, following Jesus is going to be just a cakewalk, right? Like when we, we sign up to follow Jesus, like everything's going to be easy from here on out. Like nothing but blessings and nothing but comfort and nothing but happiness and joy and daisies and roses and all that, right? We'd love to think that, but that's just not the case. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised us that in this world, you will have trouble. But thankfully, that's not where he ended that, that comment. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but... You got to love the but. But take heart because I have overcome the world. That's right. You are following the overcomer. You are following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who has, has accomplished above and beyond every, anything we could ever possibly imagine or hope for. He's done it. And he'll do it again and again and again. And so we follow after him and we recognize, yep, we're going to face some difficulty. We're going to face some trials. We're going to face some tough stuff. We're going to face some things that are going to break our hearts and even break God's heart. But he is with us through every step. We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with us. We are in a relationship with him, and that's what it means to follow Jesus. That no matter how tough it gets, or no matter how difficult the road becomes, God is with us. His Spirit is in us, in fact. And so I, I want to just kind of walk through like, so for anybody that thinks following Jesus is going to be easy, look at what Paul had to endure from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. He he lists the suffering that he's endured for Christ that he makes reference to uh, in, in the verses that we just read. He says, look, I've been put in prison more often. How many times have we been put in prison for our faith? Happened a lot to Paul. He said, I've been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashings. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And he's not talking about weed, guys. All right, so, all right. That's like rocks, like thrown at him, okay? Three times he was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys and have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. Can I get an amen? We've experienced that sometimes, right? I've worked long and hard, and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry, and I've been thirsty, and I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. But, there it is again, the Lord rescued Paul from all of it. That's what he says in verse 11. And we've got a choice when we face difficulty in our lives. We've got a tough, important choice to make. And here it is. We can choose to be bitter, and we can choose to blame God, and say, God, why did you allow these things to happen? Nobody had... Uh, a greater reason 
to be bitter and to blame God than Paul, probably. I mean, he's serving God day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and all these kinds of things are happening. And Paul could have been saying like, what's up with this? What is up with this? I'm doing everything I can to try to serve God, and here I am getting whipped, thrown into prison. My ship is getting wrecked, not just once, but two or three times, and, and like barely surviving. I've been snake-bitten. I've been like naked and hungry and starving and like so Paul could just be looking at God like help a brother out right like come on you know I'm trying to do the right thing here and like all this stuff is happening he, he could have gotten upset with God and and blamed and been bitter but instead he decided to do what he decided to bless God why did he bless God he blessed God because God had rescued him from all of it you think about what has God done for us? Like so often we focus on the negative things and the tough things and the things that, that are just hard and difficult that we're having to push through and persevere, persevere through. And, and so rarely do we stop and say, but God has delivered me from all of it. I stand here today as a witness to testify of the goodness of the Lord that he's brought me to this point. I survived. And I'm better for it. I'm better for having gone through those things because through those things, God made me who I am today and He taught me what it means and what it looks like to follow Him no matter what. And so there's nobody that could go to Paul and, and say to Paul, like, you don't know what it's like, dude. You don't know what it's like to suffer. You don't know what it's like to, to, to go through these difficulties. He knew exactly what it's like. As a matter of fact, his life has ended prematurely because of his faith in Jesus. He is executed because he's a follower of Christ. There's nobody that can look at Paul and say, you don't, you don't know, bro. You don't get it. He gets it. As a matter of fact, not just Paul. We're going we're gonna to move on here in just a second. But Paul says, trust me, I've been through it. I've been, no matter how hard you've got it, man, trust me. I know how, it can get, how hard it can be. So you can trust me. You can trust my life. You can trust my teaching. You can trust what I've been through. And I want to I tell you, don't blame God. Don't be bitter, but bless God and praise Him for delivering you through those things, and He will. Verse 12, Paul says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And that's the part where some people say, Yep, I'm out. Like, persecution, not down with all that. That's just not... Not my speed, not my style. That's just not what I'm into, not, not what I want to be part of. But Paul says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution guaranteed. Wow. Now, we did talk about a minute ago how Jesus promised us that in this world we'll have trouble. But take heart because he's overcome the world, right? We can be encouraged. We can have boldness and we can uh, trust in faith that, that Jesus has overcome, and through us he will overcome. But, but notice what Paul doesn't say in this verse. I mean, what, sometimes what Paul doesn't say is just as important as what he does say. What Paul doesn't say here is that every Christian will face persecution. He didn't say that. Like, that's an important distinction to make. He didn't just say every Christian will face persecution. He said what? Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Those two things, unfortunately, in this day and age, and even back then when Paul was, 
writing this letter, those two things were not one and the same. Otherwise, he just would have used the word Christian or, or Christ follower. So the question then becomes, like, do I really want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? Or do I just want to reap the benefits of Christianity? Because that's kind of what just being a Christian boils down to. Like, just being a Christian means, we used to use the phrase when I was in high school, uh, fire insurance. I got my fire insurance. I'm making sure that I'm not going to spend eternity separated from God in hell. I've got my insurance that, like, all I need to do is just, just do enough, just believe enough to, to make sure that I've got a relationship with Jesus that will result in heaven. That's really, like, as, as far as I need to go with it and as much as I, I, I want to be a part of. Um, and so, like, I'm, that's the bare minimum for me, right? But Paul's saying, look, if, if you're all in, if you're really all in in following Jesus, I promise you, you're going to face some difficulty. You're going to face some persecution. It's going to get hard at some point. But we remember that the one that we're following has endured far more than we ever will and has accomplished through that far more than we could ever imagine. And that we have his spirit in us. If we trust in him, his spirit is inside of us, helping us to endure, helping us to persevere, to keep going through no matter how difficult it gets. He gives us the strength to continue and not just continue, but to be victorious and to overcome the things that we're facing. There are, um, unfortunately, too many people who just want to be Christians but don't want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. And I want to challenge you this morning to say, you know what, I'm not going to be content to just be a Christian. I want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus and to fulfill the purpose and the plan that he has for my life. But then the question becomes, okay, if, if that's where I'm at, and I think that's where I'm at, that I've been trying to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, then the question then becomes, what kind of persecution have you faced? Or what kind of persecution are you facing? It's, it's going to be there if you're really trying to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. And so what could that look like? That could look like um, friends saying, I don't really want to hang out with you because you're like trying to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Of course, they're not going to say it that way. They're going to be like, you're just all in for, for Jesus and I don't really get that. And so I'm, I don't really want to have anything to do with that. Or, or like maybe it's going to be a, a job opportunity that you're going to miss out on because people know that you're a Christ follower and you're going to stand for Jesus no matter what. So, so they're going to be like, okay, we might pass over you for this uh, promotion or or for this job opportunity, um, or maybe maybe it's a financial thing, like um, you know, some kind of uh, situation happens at work again, where like you don't you don't get promoted or you don't get that job, and, and so it impacts you financially because you're a follower of Jesus. But there are going to be things that are going to happen. I mean, um, neighbors might not want to talk to you much. Uh, it, it might damage a relationship, a friendship, or even a dating relationship where it's like, wait a second, I didn't know you were that into it, so I'm just going to kind of take a step back because I don't, I don't really get what, what you're doing or where you're going or, or this whole Jesus thing. And, and so here's the deal, though. Satan has no problem with people who um, just show up at church, and that's it. And like just doing the bare minimum, um, not really following Jesus, just kind of doing just enough. Satan has no problem with those kind of people. The people that Satan has a problem with are the people that are all in, going after it with everything they've got, saying, like, I, I'm, I don't care what it costs me. 
because it costs Jesus everything to provide for me the opportunity to live for him. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go after him with everything I've got. And, and so I don't care what it costs me. Satan has a problem with those kind of people. He does. And he's going to come after you. He's going to come against you. And so if you're facing opposition, maybe that could be a big part of it, is, is that Satan sees you as a threat. And so here's the question. Does Satan see you as a threat? Are you a threat to Satan? Is he threatened by you? Amen. He needs to be threatened by you because you walk with Jesus. You walk with the Holy One. You walk with all the power of Christ in you. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. That's what it means to be all in. That's what it means for us to say, I don't care what it costs me. I'm going after it with everything I got. And Satan better start shaking in his boots because I'm coming after him. And I'm going to take back some of the territory that he's taken from us, taken from Christ and taken from the kingdom of, of, of the Lord. And we're going after it. And so Satan better recognize. But when Satan recognizes, you've got to recognize too that it's not going to be easy. He's not going to make it easy for you. He's not going to just bow down and walk away and be like, okay, you you got it. Just go for it. He's going to come after you with everything he's got. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. But again, it's going to be worth it. So worth it. For us, at the end of our life, I love, I'm going to kind of like spoiler alert for 2 Timothy chapter 4 because I love this verse in, in 2 Timothy 4, 7 where he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. And now I'm going to claim my prize that God has waiting for me. How amazing for each one of us to be able to say that at the end of our life, to look back and say, I don't have any regrets. I went after Jesus with everything I had. I didn't hold anything back. I didn't care what it cost me. And that's exactly what Paul's saying at the end of his life. Look, I finished my race. Now I'm going to claim my prize. Bring it on. Let's do this. Man, how awesome would it be for all of us to be able to say that? And here's the deal. We will be able to say that if we're serious about following Jesus and okay with whatever it might be that, that it costs us or the difficulty that we face. In verse 13, Paul says that evil people and imposters will flourish Deceiving people and being deceived. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that if you're flourishing that you're an imposter, all right? Because it, it kind of sounds like that a little bit. Evil people and imposters will flourish. But what he means is that, that they're going to reap the rewards of their, um, of their sin, of the evil deeds that they've, um, they've been committing. But sometimes, you know, we look around in our world and we see that, you know what, in fact, evil people do flourish. Evil people do seem to have it easy and win a lot and accomplish a lot and get the promotions and uh, accomplish the things that we look at and we're like, hey, man, I, could, couldn't God kind of throw me a bone here? Because, like, I'm serving him and there they are, don't give a rip about Jesus and they got all this great stuff going for them. And Paul's like, don't, don't sweat that. Because they're going to reap what they've sown. They're deceiving people and they're being deceived. They're, they've completely lost sight 
of who God is and, and the, God, the plan that God has for their life. And, you know, we look at that sometimes and we go, you know what, that, that's just not fair. That's not fair. And you're right. It's, it's not fair. But you know what? God's going to settle the score. He's going to settle the score. And we got to trust in that. we got to take a step back and say, I, I trust in the fact that, that God has this under control and that he's going to settle the score. So um, in verse 14, Paul continues to help us understand what, what we're able to trust. And, and so he says to Timothy, trust what you were taught and those who taught you. The verse 14 says, but you must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. You know that they're true, for you know that you could trust those who taught you. So Paul first says, trust me. Because I've been living it out in front of you. Like you've seen my life, you've seen my purpose, you've seen my perseverance, and you've heard my teaching, and you see that it all matches up. And Paul also knew that Timothy was raised by some very godly people. His mother and his grandmother were very, very godly people and were all about Jesus. And so Paul said, look, not only can you trust me, but you can trust what you've been taught. How many of you grew up in, in church, like maybe you had Sunday school when you were younger and all that? Look, man, th that is a blessing from God, that you were taught from a very young age about who God is and the plan and purpose that God has for your life. And, and so that's a, a blessing that we can grab onto and say, you know what, I can trust that. I can trust the teaching that I received when I was sitting in Sunday school, when I was three years old or six years old or 10 years old or whatever. Like I had that blessing in my life as well. Like I had a drug problem when I was a kid. I got drugged to church every week. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I know what that's like. Every, week after week after week, I was there. And, and I, I heard all the stories. I knew all the verses. I knew all the songs. The motions to the songs had done all the crafts. But guys, I want to tell you, like, that was a huge blessing in my life. And it's a big part of the person that God made me to be. And I hope that you had that experience as well. Um, but so, so you can look back on that and you can say, I can trust that. Um, but, but as we move forward in this, we see that um, what that does is that points us to something else, not just the people that taught us or even to Paul. What, what that points us to is it points us to Jesus. It points us to, to the fact that, yeah, we can trust people that have poured into us and we can trust um, the teaching that we've received, but ultimately we really need to be putting our trust in Jesus. So when the big idea, the big point of this message this morning, if you don't hear anything else and like everything else just kind of um, got jumbled up in your mind, remember this, that when all else fails, trust Jesus. When all else fails, trust Jesus. That's what, what Paul's life was pointing to. Everything that he did and everything that he said, his entire life was saying, hey, you need to trust Jesus. And the only reason he was saying trust me is because I trust Jesus and I want you to trust Jesus. And the teaching that you've received, I want you to trust that teaching because it teaches you to do what? To trust Jesus. So when all else fails, trust Jesus. Go after him with everything you've got. And so that's uh, the next Part of this, number four in, in your outline, verse 15, it, it says that God's word gives us wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting Jesus. And so I just want to ask you this morning, are you trusting Jesus? Are you resting in him? Are, are you, and when we say trusting, sometimes we, we, we just kind of think of that as a mental thing. But, but what we really need to hear is like trusting means 
like actively trusting, actively following Jesus, actively pursuing Jesus, trusting in who he is and the plan and purpose that he has for our lives and, and that I'm going to take steps forward in my life to pursue that and, and to uh, accomplish the purpose that he has for me. That's what it looks like. And going back to the, the uh, comment that Paul made earlier when he said that, that those who um, want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, that's living in relationship with him to accomplish his plan and his purpose for us. That's what trusting Jesus means and what it looks like. It's not just a mental thing. It's not just something that we think about or, or something that um, just kind of floats through our minds once in a while on Sunday. That yeah, I need to trust Jesus. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's an active thing that we do on a daily basis to pursue a deeper and closer walk with him. But, but one of the ways that we learn how to do this is through God's word. I talked about the Bible app a minute ago. Awesome tool for us to use to get closer to God. There's like thousands of reading plans on there. So if you're like, I don't really know what to read. And I've got that some problem sometimes. Like, I don't know, really know what I'm going to read uh, in the Bible. And so you're like, let me look for one of these reading plans. They've got topical reading plans. They've got um, like read through the whole Bible. They've got read through books of the Bible. They've got all these great tools. And we have all kinds of amazing tools like the internet has, has blessed us with some awesome tools for studying God's word that otherwise you, you would have to go to, would have had to go to seminary for that. Like years ago, that was the only way to get that kind of information. But now we have it at our fingertips on the internet. And so we need to take advantage of those things because God's word teaches us and trains us and, and uh, encourages us and challenges us and equips us to accomplish the plan and purpose that God has for us. And so if you're trying to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, if you're trying to accomplish the plan and purpose that he has for you, and if you're trying to trust in Jesus and you're not reading the word, it's going to be next to impossible. We've got to be in the word every day. And I'm challenged by that because sometimes life gets busy. Life gets hard. And we, we, we get all these kind of things going on. And you're probably sitting there right now thinking about your to-do list for later today or for tomorrow or for the week or whatever. And you're like, I got all these things happening and going on. Like, how am I going to have time? We've got to make time to spend with God. Because here's the truth is that if you're too busy to spend time with God, you're just too busy. When I'm too busy to spend time with God, I'm too busy. And I got to take a time out and just get with God and allow him to speak to me to recalibrate my heart and my spirit and my, my soul, to sync up with Him. And, and so we've got to take that time to spend in God's Word. Because look in, in verse 16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. Paul right here is making a case for Timothy. He's like, dude, you're a pastor, bro. You need to be in the Word. More than anybody, you need to be in the Word. If you're going to be teaching people how to follow Jesus, you've got to be in the Word. And, and so he, he gives him these reasons. He says, all of it is inspired by God. That means it originated from God. It wasn't some guy's idea of what it might be like. God, Paul says that, that it came from God. It's, it's not only inerrant, but it's also infallible. Like we can trust it. We can bank on it. God's word is true. It's always been true. It's true today, and it will always be true in the future. We can, that's a guarantee. We can bank on it. And so when we look around us and we see how messed up the world is, this broken and messed up world, and we're like, who or what can I trust? We can trust the word of God. 
And we get a lot of voices shouting at us, right? Shouting at us from the internet, shouting at us from TV, shouting at us from just the world in general. And we've got to balance that out by listening to the voice of God through his word. Because we can bank on it. it it's trustworthy. It's not going to fail. It's also useful. It's useful to teach us what's true, what's really true. And this is, it's harder than ever, it seems like, to, to discern truth in our culture and in our world. Like, what is true? How can I know what's true? We have to go back to God's word and he shows us what's true in his word. But it also, it gets personal a lot of the times. You start to read God's word and it's like, not only is he pointing out what's true, he's also showing me what's wrong in my life. He's showing me the stuff that's going on that doesn't match up with who he is because as I read God's word, he helps me understand more about himself. And as he shows me more of himself, it also reveals more of myself to to me so that I can see myself the way God sees me. And sometimes that's an amazing and beautiful and awesome thing and makes me feel loved and special and valued by God because it tells me that, that Jesus died for me on the cross right? That he valued me that much, that God loved me so much that he would go through that for me. But it also sometimes points out some sin in my life that says that doesn't jive with who Jesus is. And so that's got to be fixed. It's got to be taken care of. We got to take some steps to eliminate those things in my life. So it points out what's wrong, but it also, um, it also corrects us along those same lines. Um, We don't like to be corrected. Like husbands, you like to be corrected by your wife? Like, you know, like, you should have taken that left. It's like, uh, wait, I'll take a left when I feel like taking it. You know what I'm saying? Like some, our spirit's like, you know, don't tell me what to do. I don't want to be corrected, but, but that's what God's word does for us. It corrects us. Sometimes we're going the wrong way, and it's like, wake up, stupid. You, you're going the wrong way. Go that way. It's like, okay, that, that, I need that sometimes. It hurts, and it's painful sometimes, but, but we need it. But it also teaches us to do what's right to do the right thing, not just don't do the wrong thing, which is a lot of times what we focus on, especially with teenagers. Like we, we, we like to really focus on, well, don't do this and don't do that. Don't drink, don't cuss, don't, you know, don't do all these things. And it's like, wait a second, what am I supposed to do? Like, I, I don't know. Like you told me lots of things not to do. So what am I supposed to just like sit there and like do nothing? No, the Bible tells us lots of stuff that we need to be actively doing in our life as we follow after him. And that's why we've got to take time to spend in God's word. And as we spend time in God's word, again, I want to point this out and make sure that we hear this and understand this is that um, the Bible helps us see that salvation only comes through a relationship with Jesus. Salvation only comes through trusting in Jesus. And so that the biggest question that I have for you this morning is this. Have you taken that step to trust in Jesus? Have you taken that step to say, I I, want to follow him and I want to accomplish his plan and his purpose for my life because the stuff that I've been doing so far hasn't really been working out that well for me. And so if if the uh, lights were to be shut off today and we were to say game over, I, I couldn't say like Paul said, like, yes, bring it on because I've accomplished my purpose in this life. I want you to be able to say that. God wants you to be able to say that. But the only way you're going to be able to say that is to have committed to follow Jesus every single day. 
Not just once upon a time I committed to Jesus, but like today, I am committed to Jesus. I am committed to following after Him and accomplishing His plan and His purpose for my life. That's the only way we're going to be able to experience the life that God created us to live. That's the only way we're going to be able to get to the end of this life and say, mission accomplished. The only way that we're going to be able to spend eternity in the presence of God is to have actively said to Jesus, save me, and I want to follow you. And so I want to encourage you, if that's you this morning, and like you've never taken that step, you're, you, you haven't actually done that, or maybe you're like one of those like once upon a time people, like when I was a kid, I said something and I walked an aisle and I got wet, but nothing really ever changed in my life. Like God wants you to actually follow him. God wants a relationship with you that's going to change everything. And so lastly this morning, I want to challenge you to trust God's purpose. And I think that's where Paul brings us. So, so he's talked about trust me and, and, and the teaching and the life that I've lived in front of you. He says, trust what you've been taught. Trust God's word. Trust Jesus more than anything. Trust Jesus. And, and then uh, lastly, he says, trust God's purpose. Verse 17, he says this, God uses it, his word, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so if you're like, I don't know what God's purpose or what God's plan is for my life. There it is right there. God wants you to be prepared and equipped to do good work in his name. And so the question then becomes, am I prepared and equipped to do good, good work in his name? That's God's plan and that's God's purpose for you. And it happens by having people pour into your life. People that, that serve as mentors for you, like Paul served as a mentor for Timothy. Do you have a mentor in your life? Somebody that, that pours into you, that you trust their teaching because you've seen their life. I want to challenge and encourage you, if you don't have a mentor, find one. There are some great mentors just sitting right here in this room some outstanding mentors. I can tell just by looking across the room, I can tell there's some outstanding mentors in this room. And some of you need a mentor. You need somebody that's going to pour into you. And some of you, I just mentioned you, some of you are outstanding mentors and you're not mentoring anybody. You need to mentor somebody and take somebody under your wing like Paul took Timothy and, and pour the teaching and the learning and the wisdom that God has given to you into somebody else. We need that in our lives. So I want to challenge you to take that step, to trust God's purpose and God's plan for your life. And so I think the charge for us this morning is, yes, to follow Jesus, to lead other people to follow Jesus, but also to trust, to trust people like Paul in our lives, to trust God's word, to trust God's teaching through others that, that have poured into our lives, and to uh, trust Jesus and to trust his purpose for us. So I just want to challenge you this morning, whatever it is that God is leading you to do and uh, whatever your next step is, that, that this week you'll take one, at least one step, do one thing to say, you know what, I'm going to either find a mentor or I'm, I'm going to become a mentor and, and say, hey, can we grab coffee? Let, let's just get together. And I just want to find out what's God doing in your life and um, how, how can you help me or how can I help you grow in a relationship with Jesus? Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know what? I can't remember the last time I opened my Bible and, and read anything other than when I was at church. So maybe this morning it, it's God saying to you, hey, it's time to, to get serious about spending some time in the Word. 
Or maybe you've kind of been doing those things and you've been walking with Jesus and, and uh, it, you're at that moment where it's like, it's time to get to work. It's time to accomplish the work that God put me here to accomplish. I've been just kind of spinning my wheels and, and, and kind of doing the hamster wheel thing and, and not really going anywhere or accomplishing anything. I want to accomplish God's plan and purpose for my life. And so maybe it's time for you to, to get to work, to use your gifts, talents, and abilities, your, your personality, your uniqueness in Christ. Leverage that for the sake of the kingdom and get involved somehow, somewhere. I'm sure Rick can help help you find some great places in the church to get plugged in and engaged to use your gifts and abilities. But, but there are places outside the church as well that, that need you to be a representative of Jesus, to be light in the darkness, to be salt in the world. And we can't do that unless we're really engaging with the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given us to accomplish his purpose. But the job of the church is to equip you to do that. And I know that, that uh, Anthem Church is a great place for you to get equipped. And so uh, I want to encourage you to get even more engaged, even more plugged in so that you can, you can be equipped to accomplish the purpose that God has for you. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you that as we come together this morning, every single one of us is special to you. Every single one of us has a unique gift and, and place in your family. And so, Father, I pray that you would challenge us and encourage us to take that next step forward to, to accomplish the purpose that you have for us, to, to trust those who have poured into us, to trust that teaching, and most importantly, to trust Jesus. God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't taken that step, that today would be the day of salvation for them where they, where they say, you know what, I, I want to trust Jesus. I want to begin following after him to accomplish his plan and purpose in my life so that I can get to the end of my life and, and look back. And as Paul did at the end of his life, look back and say, I accomplished the mission. I fulfilled the purpose that God put me here to accomplish. God, that, that is my prayer for every single one of us here this morning, but especially for those who have yet to take that first step of faith to say, I trust Jesus. And God, I pray for the rest of us this morning that, that maybe we've already taken that step of faith, that, that uh, Lord, we would um, take another step of faith and another and another and another every single day in relationship with you as you change us and mold us and shape us to be the people that you've called us to be and to accomplish the purpose that you've called us to accomplish. God, I pray that you'll bring people into our lives that will pour into us, that will mentor us, God, that will help us navigate the craziness of life and figure out how to take that next step forward. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to trust those people that you bring into our life. And God, I pray that, um, that there will be some here this morning that will answer the call to step up as mentors for others, to help lead them closer to you so that they can do the same for somebody else and lead others to follow after you as well. God, I thank you that you uh, love each and every one of us to the extent that you died for us. Lord Jesus, you died for us on the cross, making it possible for us to be forgiven, to be saved and to be transformed and changed and for our life to have meaning and purpose. I pray the Lord that every single one of us would grab hold of that purpose this morning and charge forward this week to accomplish that purpose with the strength and power of Jesus in us as we go. And it's in your precious and holy and powerful, beautiful name that we pray. Amen.